Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and every weekday I chat with today's most successful coaches, and we learn their secrets to building a thriving coaching business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Today's guest is Eric Reed from Success Coaching. He's an international business and personal development coach and trainer with more than 15 years experience helping entrepreneurs, managers, leaders, and sales professionals create a competitive advantage in today's crowded marketplace. As a competent and inspirational speaker and trainer and coach, he helps his clients to have a success strategy to enjoy greater influence, impact, and income. His why is to teach others how to stop chasing success and start to learn to live with success. Eric also serves on the President's Advisory Council for the John Maxwell team, as well as being a DISC certified instructor. Eric, thanks so much for joining us today. It's great to be here. Thank you. Now, before we jump into more about your business, I'd love to know a little bit about who you are and maybe some of the things you like to do when you're not working. <laughs> Ooh, who I am. That's a big question. Um, I guess I could start at the end. Um, currently, I'm living in Uruguay. So a lot of people do not know where Uruguay is, but we are at the very bottom of South America. And we ended up here sort of as a bit of a family experiment. Um, as I say, I was busy chasing success and letting my life slip away from me. And I've got two young kids. And I said, you know, sometimes you have to really make some dramatic changes in life to accomplish some big goals. And uh, so we packed everything we had in a couple suitcases and headed south to Uruguay. And we live a few blocks from the beach. And so I guess what I'm do when I'm not busy coaching or training, it's hanging out with my kids on my beat on the beach. That's always fun. And I get, and you have this awesome pronunciation because I'm in Nashville and in the South, we we just call it Uruguay. So <laughs> I like to hear you say it. That sounds nice. <laughs> it, it, it took a little while to learn how to say it like everybody here. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm pretty proud. That's about the extent of my Spanish. My kids who arrived, you know, with no Spanish now are fluent in it. But because I spend so much time in my English-speaking world, I sometimes lose track of my Spanish. Oh, that's cool. That's like a, such an awesome experience. How long are you going to be there? Hey, it's an experiment. We'll just run it until it ends. We're in the middle of year number two, and we were only supposed to come for a year. So oh, we'll see. Nice. Well, they're definitely going to be bilingual. Well, they probably already are. Pretty well. Pretty much so. That's really cool. We love to be inspired by people's journey. Now, I get a lot of inspiration from people saying, you know, I just picked up and moved. I mean, that's awesome to have that sort of an adventure. So let's talk a little bit about your coaching journey. Um, how long have you been coaching and how did you get started with it? Wow. Um, so I've been involved in, well, coaching slash training. And I think that is sometimes a mistake that some of the coaches make is that they, they think they're coaching when they're training or they're training and they're coaching. So I began um, through a series of almost accidents. I was working um, in a traditional corporate America job, doing the IT thing, you know, like everybody else. And I said, oh my gosh, I need to get out of this. I'm killing myself. I'm traveling around the world. I'm working 90 hour weeks. I'm exhausted. And so I sort of stepped out and a company called me and said, hey, you know, we've heard you're a phenomenal trainer. 
could you like work for us part-time in this capacity? I thought, eh, part-time, yeah, I'll get my feet wet. Well, obviously anybody that sells everything and moves to Uruguay doesn't do things small. And through that, I realized that training isn't enough for a lot of the people in the industry that I was working with. And I, at that time, was working in the real estate industry that you couldn't go in and do one-and-done trainings and expect their careers to flourish. And through that, I was meeting with a lot of people on the side as consultants in brand building and mm -hmm. developing marketing, and then it became long-term coaching. So that's sort of how I got into it. And the more success I saw individuals having, it's, it's a drug, the more I wanted to do it. <laughs> now, we've you said a little bit about that you started training and then moved into coaching. How does consulting fit into that? What's the difference? What do you find the difference between those three or, or can you kind of mesh them all together? So, yes. Oh, great question. Um, so training to me is often unpacking a product for somebody, you know, whether it's a software or even, you know, in our industry, more often than not, it's a software or a tool um, and in real estate more so. So the training is sort of that unpacking of a product. Here's where you click. This is where you go. This is what you do next. This is what it should be. And as much as you try and inspire success through it, you're sort of confined by that product's ability or that product's usefulness. Mm -hmm. Consulting begins to bring in that listener's ear where it's like, so what is it you want to accomplish? How soon do you want... Here's some advice I would give. But I think often in consulting, unless you have a long-term consulting contract, it's sort of like you give the advice, you give the wisdom, you give the direction, and then they need to take it and do something with it. Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to coaching, is that it's that next level up from consulting, at least in my um, experiences. I may hear what you need or want to achieve in your life. I'll listen into the direction you're going or that you feel you should be going. We'll explore that together. We'll go out and test drive it. And then we'll look at the feedback. And through that feedback, we'll begin to build better strategies for future. And so it's an ongoing relationship. Now, it's funny because often I'll have people that are afraid to jump into coaching because they think it's like this huge, never-ending marriage type of thing. And experience has taught me that sometimes I'm hired as a coach for a season, meaning you're going through a change or there's something you're trying to accomplish and you can't quite see past the end, but you know you're sort of fixed in space and you need to move out of that. And then the other side is sometimes you hire me as a coach to teach you a set of skills, whether it's leadership or management or conflict resolution or managing a, you know, something going on in your life that's like, I know I can do this. I'm just not sure how. And as we all know as coaches, the answer is within you. I just have to get the right questions through you so you can come up with the answers you need. How long have you been coaching, did you say? Or training and consulting and coaching as a big package? <laughs> yeah. If you'd ask my family, I've probably been coaching since I was an infant. But, you know, more formally, <laughs> I always have an opinion, you know. That, but there now, I guess, I guess that's it. Now I get paid for it. So that officially makes me a coach. 
I had really focused in on my coaching over the last five to eight years. And by that, I mean getting the certification, getting the training, studying it as an art and an industry. Um, and I think great coaches really have to invest in the education. Right. Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up because there are people on both sides of that. People that say, you know, I have this lifetime of knowledge. I've spent years studying this particular thing and I'm going to teach that. And I don't necessarily need a certification and I can get behind that a hundred percent. And then I have people who come on and say, Oh, I went through this certification and I got this training and it's taught me all this. And then, and now I'm certified and I go out and teach. I'm like, Oh yeah, I can, I get, I get that. That sounds so great. <laughs> so I'm, I'm right in the middle. I, I see both sides of it and each side has some really good points and brings a lot to the table, just depending on what someone is needing to be coached in, I guess. I would agree. I think there is a natural coaching personality, not saying everybody can be or can't be, but there is that intuitive and quid- uh, questioner um, mm-hmm. that a coach has to have. They've got to be willing to, to listen and then listen one layer deeper and then be able to ask the question. Um, you know, being intuitive is as a natural tendency of being a good coach. How and certification won't automatically make you a great coach. You know, you can go out and get certified by everybody and still be a lousy coach. Yeah, right. The training that I receive helps me listen in differently. And also, I think coaches need to be coached. And I do a lot of coaching of coaches because we have to remember what we're doing requires a skill set, requires an object. We have to be tuned in. And sometimes we can wander off the path because we connect to the client, we connect to the the goal, the mission, our purpose and passion. And we have to be reminded it's not us. It's all about the client and how to stay centered on that and how to listen in for the right clues to guide them to where they should be going next. Yeah, that's great. I love that. You said that you had been really been coaching for, you said, five to eight years. Mm-hmm. Over that period of time, I bet you've had a few ups and downs. <laughs> <laughs> Only a few? <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us about maybe a, a disappointment or just a low point that you experienced while you were building up your coaching business? Uh, a p- I, I'm going to say it was a very low point, but huge piece of advice. So um, when I first began coaching, like all of us that are in a coaching industry, it's about developing those leads and those contacts and those connections and getting that momentum in our business started. And somebody approached me, a company approached me and said, you know, we think you're a phenomenal coach. We kind of like to bring you under us. You're going to work for us. We'll do the lead generation. We'll do the client acquisition. We'll do the building. We'll do all that. You just show up and coach. And we'll fill your calendar. And I thought, oh, this is ideal. I get to do what I love. I get to, you know, coach and I don't have to do any other work in building a coaching business. Well, yeah, you can hear the end of the story already. (laughs) (laughs) They called on a Sunday night around six o'clock and said, you've been outstanding. We've decided to bring everybody in house. Don't bother making any calls on Monday morning. Click kind of thing. (sighs) Yeah. Um, so not only is there the immediate loss of business, but because of situations and contract, it's like, okay, you go from a coaching client pool of 20 or 25 clients to zero, like literally overnight. 
and you haven't built the machine on how to generate clients and leads. You haven't built the the muscles because you've sort of, you know, been lazy. I mean, I, I was a great coach. I just wasn't a good salesman or business builder in the coaching industry. And so going through that process was a great experience because it took me back to what I knew best, how to build businesses, how to stay focused on what it takes to build successful businesses. And it also told me, okay, in the future, own your product. Like Oprah says, the biggest thing she did was own the Oprah show. If you're going to be a coach, you got to own your business. You've got to make sure that you own those clients and that you're, you know, that they are contracted to you. You're not contracted to somebody else because you'll wake up one morning and you could be unemployed. Wow, Eric, that was like that's so much good stuff that you just said because it makes total sense. And that seems like something that a lot of people would actually really love, you know, to be approached by a company or, or by an entity and, and say, you know, Hey, just come and, and do your thing and, and we'll provide all the leads. That sounds perfect for so many coaches that I've talked to that I think a lot of people would jump at that. And then, like you said, if you flip the switch and it all goes away, you're sitting there with no foundation and you haven't really learned that, that marketing and that sales, you know, and then you're kind of just sitting there with nothing thinking, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do next? So it's a bad story, but I see what you mean by it being like a really good gift because it kind of taught you that you've got to be in charge of yourself. You've got to own it and you've got to get out there and, and get the business on your own. If you really want to, to be a success. I, and I love you. It had a great value. It gave me the ability to focus in on practicing coaching and developing the, that, you know, coaching thing that was in me. Um, I, though, and again, sometimes when you're coaching through that kind of contract, you have to sort of coach the, to their model, to their thinking, to their philosophy. Um, there wasn't a big conflict. But it did teach me how to coach and how to be disciplined and showing up for the appointments and all of that. So there was a great learning curve. But if you're on the path to building your own business, which is what most people come into coaching for, is because they love to help others and build a business as an entrepreneur, then don't forget the other half. Don't only develop the coaching part of you, develop the business builder and the coaching business builder in you. So after you got that that phone call that said, don't bother coming back, what, what did you do? <laughs> that, that was harsh. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Say that phone call where you got fired. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do that next day? How did you dig yourself out of that? How did you get out and start finding those clients that you didn't have to, to find before? Well, you know, I could really say something tragic like, well, once I sobered up, um, <laughs> makes me a healthy coach, right? Um, the truth was there was a bit of a, uh, like let down lamenting. Anybody that's gone through an experience where you're riding high and you're feeling great and things are going well. And we had just moved to Uruguay. So it was like, okay, all the pieces are falling into place. And then to have one of the major pieces fall out of place. It took a little bit of time to get my feet right. But what I did and what I often counsel and coach other coaches to do is I went through and I went through all of my list of the clients that I had worked with previously. 
Now, I wasn't able to contact them or follow up with them because of contractual, but I looked at each one of them and I said, this is what I loved about coaching this person. Uh, This was difficult for me. This was a good, this was a bad. And I sort of wrote out the profile of each of them that I really, really liked. Mm -hmm. And then I sort of summarized that and I thought, okay, if I could have 10 or 20 people that look just like this summary, I'd be really, really happy because these were the ones that I jump out of bed to coach in the morning. And so that was the beginning. You know, some people will call it an avatar, ideal client profile or whatever. But once I knew who I wanted to work with and who I didn't want to work with, then I started seeking out through my own his database, like people like, oh, yeah, I used to know that person two years ago, and they fit this profile. And then, you know, through social media, because again, I'm in Uruguay, and everything I do is really online was like looking at social profile or social media, and looking at people's profiles, looking at groups, looking at LinkedIn profile, all of that. And I'm like, oh, they don't fit the profile. They fit the profile. And then going in and approaching them that way. I think that's really awesome advice. You do hear a lot of people talk about, you know, figure out who your ideal client is and get that avatar and create everything for this avatar. And honestly, that is one of the most confusing things, I think, for me. I mean, I'm just like, I don't understand creating some random fictional person (laughs) that's got two kids and a dog. Who is this person that has two kids and a dog? Where did they? I don't know. This It sounds so crazy. But the way you just explained it, it makes perfect sense. So thank you for that explanation. (laughs) Well, and I think there is... So we often have, when we go through the avatar thing, we kind of go through two different things. And I went through this with a coaching client the other day who's building their coaching business And I said, okay, that's your audience, but who's your client? Because not always is the audience and the client the same thing. Right. They were targeting towards youth and kids in transition going from high school to college. And that was who they really wanted to speak to. That's who they wanted to motivate and change. Well, I'm sorry, but from a business model, not a lot of 18 to 21 year olds have the financial resources to hire you at a level that will sustain you as a business. So that's your audience, your avatar, the person you want to speak to, but who actually is the client, the person that's going to hire you and engage with you. Right. Yeah. The person who's going to write the checks and it's probably not going to be the the 18 year old. No. And sometimes it may be a parent. It may be a school system. It may be a corporation that's going through a change and they've got to move some middle management, management around that you're getting hired by the HR director to service a different audience and, you know, not getting into confidentiality issues, but you've got to be able to market towards both of those people, but you got to know that there is a difference. Right. Right. Yeah. I've always thought that, that the whole idea of, you know, figuring out the ideal client, a lot of coaches just don't bother because they start to dig into it and it, and it seems so abstract that, it just is something that, that sort of gets pushed off to the side. But it's really important because, like you said, not only can it be a particular audience that you're talking to, but in addition to that, you can also have a different client that's actually going to be you know, paying for it and that you're going to need to target as well. And yes, and I think that kind of goes back a bit towards the training side when I began. I had this product that I knew I had to sell to certain people. And so as I unpacked the product, I knew who the audience was. And so therefore, there was a connection. In coaching, when you're first beginning, 
you don't recognize that there is a product. You think it's all about service, all about service, all about service, when in reality, you do have a product. Now, it may be very intangible, but, you know, there is, so managing and coaching people with PTSD, my product is guiding people with PTSD into a healthier lifestyle or women from abusive situations. What is the product? It may be a seven step program to rebuild your financial future and empower you to become the person you've designed to be. So we all do have somewhat of a product. It may be our voice. It may be our experience, but we have to see what that product is and then figure out who the buyer of that product is. Mm, right. So after you went through your database and you, you decided, you know, what your ideal client was going to look like and you started reaching out to people and you're in on social media, when did you feel like you had started to gain some momentum in your coaching business? Wow. Um, I think I did it twice in that process. One, just getting back in the game and getting on the phone and going through the salesman process. Um, I think for some of us, that's a very, it's foreign territory. Because I came from a real estate background, it was a little more natural, but getting on that phone and doing that lead generation prospecting sales kind of piece, you got to do it. That's the reality. They're not going to come flooding to you unless you know you end up on some kind of national news network for something miraculous that everybody's you know got your phone number and your name. So doing that, and once I started getting in the habit and not fearing that routine and being confident in what I was saying, but the second time was when I really found, and I often call it your voice, that when you were on the phone explaining what you wanted to do for them or how you thought that they might be a mesh to you, you were totally in the zone. It was as if you could see how what you could bring to the table could benefit them at such a level that you didn't want to let them go until they could see it too. And that was when I stopped chasing clients and I started just servicing people around me or bringing value to them that they were suddenly like knocking on the door like, yesterday you said something to me and it's really stuck in my head and I need to talk to you about that. Oh, that sounds like a coaching relationship. Right. Wow. That's really interesting. I love that the idea of being able to find your voice and then that makes it easier to have those sales calls because they don't feel like selling. They feel more like a conversation. Yeah. I think a lot of coaches really struggle with, it's almost like, you know, you get to the top and you can go either way, you know, either it's really, really hard or like you said, when you kind of find that voice, it becomes easier. So I think that a lot of coaches struggle with that aspect of getting on the phone and presenting themselves, presenting their product to people that that's just that's hard for a lot of people. Was there anything in particular that you think made that shift for you? Was it just consistent action, just doing it over and over again? I Yes, um, the consistent action is required because so a part of it is really our responsibility as a coach to know what we are to know who we are in the bigger sense that, that like I call it that voice. And the more you say it out loud to other people, you know, in the beginning, I just say, Oh, I teach success. And people are like, what is success? I mean, I don't want to be successful. There's almost this fear of being successful in some people's mind. So I was like, okay, that doesn't sound that what I said did not bring the response I wanted. And that's all communication really is, is to listen, to solicit a response. And so I was like, what I teach people, what I do, and the more I kept going through it, 
with people, the more it started to settle into me and the more natural it became for them to hear. And then I reached a point of like, you know, do you wake up every morning feeling like you're living in success or chasing success? And a lot of people say, oh, I feel like I'm chasing it. Wouldn't you love to start living it? Oh, gosh, yes. Well, you know, what we need to do is have a conversation about what your daily activities look like and where you're putting your priorities and how we can maximize your best talents. And it was a more natural conversation than the first conversation I had on the phone with that first potential client that I called. Well, and I also think a lot of people have this idea that they have to be 100% perfect, ready to go out of the gate, and almost like they're afraid to start until they're perfect. But I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is just do it, and it may be okay at the beginning, but you're going to get better and better and better with each person you talk to. Oh, definitely. And the other thing is, remember, you're a coach. And so coaching is really about the other side of the table. And if you show up as an expert, then you're really showing up as a preacher. Like, I'm just going to tell you what to do in your life, and you're all going to leave the church and do it. And that's not what the coaching relationship is. It's really listening in and then guiding through the change that they're seeking. And so to do that, you have to approach without an agenda. Now, you can, like I said, have an image or a vision of where you can lead people. But you have to be open for the flexibility and the dynamic energy that occurs in the coaching relationship. So knowing that you're never going to be perfect. So just accept that as your reality. I'm never going to be a perfect coach because each client comes to me differently. So after having gone through rebuilding your business and now you've, you've been doing it for quite a while, what would you say has been your favorite achievement so far in your business? All of them? No. (laughs) Um, For me personally, it's that after the being fired episode and then rebuilding is like, I can do this. I've done it successfully multiple times with other businesses, and now I've done it again. So it was, I, I love the entrepreneur spirit that's in me. And I love when it gets to bubble up and explode. I mean, that's just a natural thing for me. I love working with entrepreneurs and business builders. Um, so build, do getting back into that mindset for me. But also when I work with clients and, you know, you'll be in the middle of something. And often I love when we start a coaching call and a client will say, you know, you said this last week. And when you said it, I didn't hear it. But then... And you can just hear the light bulb go off in their life, that they did this big shift. Um, one of the expressions I often use with my clients is up until now. So up until now, you used to blank, 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 moving forward. And so when I start to hear them use that language, like, well, up until now, I was afraid to do this. I'm like, oh, <laughs> right. you got it. You got it that you're in a new place and a new power. Right. And when they say it naturally, like it just came out, like they thought it up. And yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's great. I always love when they say that, like, I was thinking about this. What do you think? And I'm like, you know, looking at my notes, we talked about that two weeks ago. I think that's a brilliant idea. Where did you come up with it? I don't know. I was laying in bed and it just came to me. I'm like, great. That's what we want as coaches. Yeah. Well, I guess that's how you know that it's really working when people come up with, when they repeat it back to you, but they repeat it back like, like they came up with it. That's how you know you've, you've kind of gotten in their head and you're, you're planting your little seeds in there. Well, you know, one of my coaches and I have coaches always says, you know, you have to learn it, then live it, then teach it. 
And I think often as coaches, we, you know, we're, we're trying to get our clients to learn something and then they make that transition to start living it. And then when you hear them say, I was talking to my girlfriend the other day and she said this, and this is what I told her. How did I do? And it's like, Oh, now you're learning to like coach and share with other people. Good job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Before we move on to the business side of things, I'd like to know a little bit about the future. What are you excited about creating next in your business? Oof, in my business. I was going to say, I've got an eight and a seven-year-old. Some days it's just making it until <laughs> you know, bedtime and story hour. Um, It's interesting because the more you coach, you begin to move into thoughts and ideas. And I think it's a natural tendency as – you attract, you know, uh, as you attract certain clients, you share experiences more often. And pretty soon you're, you're beginning to think differently. And I, as a coach, I'm always growing. And if you're taking on coaching, man, invest, invest, invest in your personal growth. Keep getting new ideas poured into you because it expands you for those new clients and those new opportunities. So I've felt like over the last couple of months, um, to re- I've really been moving into a new place of, you know, of personal growth, but also connecting with clients on a, on a more spiritual level in some ways. I teach business building. I teach business branding. I teach becoming successful as an entrepreneur and incorporating that into life more fully. And now it seems like, um, that sometimes we as coaches, now there are coaches that I know that strictly stay on the spiritual side. Um, but as business coaches and executive level coaches, sometimes we have to avoid that. For some reason, we feel like there's this barrier, you know, you're an executive business coach. We don't talk about spirituality or the law of manifestation and the law of attraction and the I am statements. But more and more, I'm beginning to use those with my clients and they are welcoming because that's a piece that they also set aside to build high level success that they're seeking out in their lives. So I'm excited to see what, what all of that is coming towards me for. Yeah, that's interesting. I just did an interview with someone a couple of months ago, I guess. And that was kind of what she was saying is that she was doing a lot of, of C level coaching and that just in her personal life, bringing in meditation and more spiritual stuff that she was looking for a way to combine as well. So I think that I'm hearing more and more people talk about that. I think that's just a, a great new concept. I've, like I said, it's coming towards me at such a rapid rate that I feel like I have to use it for something. I always feel like, yeah. you know, that river versus reservoir kind of thing. And when I've sort of dipped my toe in with certain clients, they're like, oh, I've been so needing something like that. Tell me more. Talk to me more. Pull it out of me more. Because I think when you go for that C-level corporate kind of high executive, or you're trying to build a business and you focus all of your energy on it, there's this thing like, okay, I got to get strong. I got to get tough. I got to get focused. I got to get disciplined. I got to get warrior-like. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes will shut down that spirit, that intuition, that that awareness, because we've got our business plan, we've got our daily agenda, we've got our five things that must be accomplished before nine o'clock, that we lose track of that. And so, like I said, I've, I've started to hear clients asking me, like, is there more? And they mean, is there more like, I don't feel connected to myself anymore. 
While you were saying that, I was trying to remember where I've read this. And I mean, Napoleon Hill is coming to mind, but that may not be right. But I read something somewhere. You can't be completely out of balance in relationships and expect to have financial success or work success. You can't be have things imploding on you at work and expect relationships to be successful, you know, that everything is connected. So it just makes sense to bring some of those other bits and pieces into all of the different areas of our life. Very much. Under my old coaching prior to being fired, um, it was very much a productivity-based, driving towards those numbers, driving towards that success, building, 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 building. And I like that because I love seeing people grow in their sales ability. But you know, as I became more aware, it's like, you know, a hole in a boat is going to sink the whole boat. And so though your business may be, you know, cranking out new numbers and you may be breaking records and getting awards and standing at the front of the podium, that can only sustain you for so long before you realize that you come home and the kids don't know your name. You know, your spouse is making decisions without you because you're so unpredictable. They just move forward. Your health begins to to call against you, you know, um, things like that, that now when I work with clients, we're still driven towards that accountability, towards that success. But we also focus in on where is this going to impact us? Yes, we're going to borrow time from our family, but let's plan ahead of time how we're going to return it to them. Things like that. Right, right. Yeah. You know, I want to move on now to the part of the conversation that really focuses on what's working right now in business. So one thing that coaches seem to get hung up on sometimes is that, you know, maybe they they just have to do one-on-one coaching or maybe they just have courses. But the fact of the matter is, is there's a lot of different ways to bring in revenue, a lot of different ways to make money as a coach. And there's a lot of people that are having a lot of different little income streams because they like to be creative, because they like to try a lot of things. So it can really run the gamut. So how are you bringing in revenue in your business? I do a lot of one-on-one coaching. And for me, that works because again, I live in Uruguay. My Spanish is very weak. So I do a lot of one-on-one coaching through internet or by phone back to the U.S. and out now outside of the U.S., um, but to English-speaking clients primarily. Though, so you can, as a coach, you can come into that and remember that you've only got so many one-hour spots in every day and eventually they'll all be filled. So you either have to raise the number of clients you take or raise the revenue each client produces. So that's always one question is like, where do I come in at the pricing point? How high can I stretch it? What is my return on time? But I also now do a lot more consulting where somebody will say, as we talked about earlier, I've got a question about this, or I'd like to talk to you for about an hour and just brainstorm. Great. That carries a different rate and a different revenue, but it also, oddly enough, turns into more of a, a consulting once a month kind of thing. That's not a coaching relationship. I've also begun doing a lot of work with companies where I'll come in and I'll sit in a room, sometimes in the corner, uh, and I'll watch the way they're brainstorming. I'll watch the way the team's working. And then as I step out, they'll say, well, what do you think we need to do next? Mm. I'm like, wow. I don't know if you all saw this, but so-and-so is doing this and -and so-and-so is doing this and this person wasn't. And I'll show them what the team looks like. And then as a coach, I can say, I think these three people might need coaching. 
this group needs to learn communication and team dynamics. So let me come in and do a workshop. Um, I do DISC um, profiling, so I can also offer DISC testing. And then I can also offer team building through DISC. What, what the mistakes some coaches make when they begin is they try and service everybody equally. And what I began to find is my strength is to listen and then to create the product that you need instead of create the product and try and push you into it. Because not everybody needs coaching, but somebody might need me for an hour as they brainstorm a product idea. And I'll say like, you know, what I'm hearing is and what you're aiming for and you know you're missing, ah, wow, that's what I needed. Great. So they'll hire me sort of as a brainstorming mastermind. Oh, cool. So from revenue stream, I do a lot of, like I said, training and coaching are my niche. I began, and the one thing everybody does is like, oh, I got to write a book. I have my book sitting on the shelf. It's not going anywhere because <laughs> what I realized is I wrote a book to write a book, not to inspire and guide people towards change. Right, right. One thing that I think a lot of coaches like to talk about is how many discovery calls did you book this week? Everybody's looking for that next way that they can connect with people, that next great way to get out and make relationships and bring people into their business. So what would you say is your favorite strategy for attracting new clients to your business? I love being a peeping Tom. (laughs) Okay, explain a little more. (laughs) Now everybody's like, this call took a really weird turn. (laughs) Um, Because of social media, it's so easy to eavesdrop on people's lives in groups and on social media. And sometimes you'll be watching a conversation and it's like, this person so needs a coach. This person (laughs) so needs my seven levels to time management. This person so needs how to build social media into your business. Whatever that product is, you can so easily see that the conversation is waiting for you to jump in. Now, there is an art to doing it. You don't just go in and tag your product and show it up on there. But you pull them into that small conversation in the corner, the message is like, you know, I was watching what you said. I've got a couple questions. Through those questions, you go through a discovery. You know what? And I often say something like, you know, this isn't the best format. Would you like to sit down, maybe talk for 10, 15 minutes and see if maybe I can help you through this? Mm -hmm. So when I say I love being a peeping Tom, it's, you know, don't neglect the people who are right in front of you screaming for help. They just don't know how to ask you. And if you can show them that you can bring value to the conversation or to the where they're at, right? they're going to definitely invite you in. And then it's your job to show up and, and actually deliver that value. Now, I see so often on social media where somebody will just like tag a link. You should be in my women's retreat weekend. And I'm like, did you notice I'm a man? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, don't just keep spamming me with your product because that makes you look, you know, disengaged from me and my problems. And then you want to build this no like and trust relationship. It's, it's not happening here. Yes, exactly. No, I agree with that. I've heard that so many times lately that the no like and trust. And then, like you said, you jump online and you see people just kicking no like and trust off the cliff. They're just not doing it. And they're dropping links and they're coming off with not even a hello, but a, you know, here's my product. And there has to be a balance. And I think that's a, you know, it's a great suggestion 
suggestion to just sit back, kind of look, watch, see what's going on. And if you think that you can provide a service or, or even just join the conversation, do that in a way that's not, that's not overbearing and not pushy, but don't be afraid to, to get involved a little and at least to put yourself out there so that you're seen. I often relate it to a cocktail party. Mm -hmm. And we've all been at that cocktail party where we're sitting in a group and we're having a conversation and then somebody walks in and just starts dominating the conversation. And you can see the group just naturally like looking for the exit. Like, how do we get away from this person? Like, meet me in the bathroom. We'll finish the conversation there. Instead, walk up and stand on the sideline of the conversation. Listen at an aha, hmm, interesting kind of thing, and then slowly be invited into the conversation. And then always show up and add value, always show up and give service. Because at the end of the day, you're building a business. And if you want this to be a sustainable long-term business, you want people to be able to connect to who you are and what you do at a very personal level. Coaching is a very personal thing that you want them to feel comfortable enough to share your name with five other people that are going through the same situation. Knowing what you know now about building up a successful business, what would you say would be a piece of advice that you would offer to someone brand new who was just getting started if they wanted to grow their business the best way they could? Or or maybe even what do you wish you had done first when you got started? Well, not get fired, but... Um, <laughs> I think one line that really probably know thyself and know thyself really well, because that at the end of the day is your product that you're going to be promoting and you're going to be selling and you're going to be connecting. Because remember, we've talked about difference between training and consulting and coaching. And there are some people that come to me and say, I'd love you to coach me. I wish you were my coach. Could you... And I'll be like, I just can't connect to you. Mm -hmm. We're, we're, we're not in, you know, as much as I want to be there and be of service to you because that's my purpose and my passion. That's not a part of who I am. And I would just be picking up a check at the end of the week or the end of the month from you. And that's not how I want to build my business. That's not the integrity that I want to attach to my name. And so if you know who you are and you know what your values are and you place that first, people will find you. People will find you. I saw a coach the other day that her niche is women who have been cheated on. Okay. I thought, what a niche. Exactly. Wow. Not, not, not a group I can speak to, clearly. <laughs> but she apparently is busting it off the hooks as a coach because she teaches women how to recognize those warning signs that came before the cheating and why did they deny them. And all of, I'm like, you know what? I get your business. And I would send 10 ladies to you because I know you understand it. So any new coach, know thyself, first and foremost. Well, and I think just like you were just talking about, you don't be afraid to niche down either. We don't need hundreds of thousands of people to come and, and work with us. You couldn't work with that many. You, you can have a little bit of a narrower niche and still do very well for yourself. Uh, Seth Godin's book, Purple Cow, mm -hmm. great example of it. You know, when you're general, then there's nothing that makes you unique enough to hire or buy. But when you're that purple cow in the field, everybody's going to notice you. 
And then you get to decide who you work with. Yeah, perfect. Eric, this has been so good. I've learned so much from you. And I think I've laughed more in this interview than I have in a long time. (laughs) We're going to finish up with our final five rapid fire questions. Uh So what is one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable? I love Napoleon Hill. So I consistency and discipline. Start small, do it daily. Nice. Um. I just, anything I do, I start at the smallest piece and I master it for like a hundred days. So right now I'm on a hundred days of Facebook and a hundred days of blogging. I'm at day like 80 something. Wow. So think, uh, so once you've mastered it, then you own it and you can like just keep expanding it. So discipline and consistency. Good advice. What is one quality that you think every successful coach needs to develop? Knowing when to shut up. (laughs) Sometimes as coaches, we want to share our wisdom and our experience and we want to like flood the world with all our words. And sometimes as a coach, you just sit there and shut up because in the silence is where the growth happens. Recommend one book that's had a big impact either on your business or on your life. Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Or I was going to say, or James Allen, As a Man Thinketh. Those two I read Four times a year. Oh, wow. Nice. Okay. Give us one online resource that you think coaches would love and that you couldn't do business without. Hmm. Online resource. Ah, I use so many of them. Um, I think right now I'm really loving my scheduling tools. So I use Schedule Once, which is just a scheduling tool because I'm booking so many of those, you say, consulting calls. I can send a link. They can book it. I don't have to spend the 20 minutes going back and forth trying to find a calendar spot. Yes. Um, which becomes so exhausting. Exactly. Now, finally, how can the listeners best connect with you? What social platforms are you on the most and what's your website? So um, I keep it simple, ericgreed.com. And so... Um, that's my, my website. You can find me through Facebook the same way. Pretty much everything that's connected to me is the Eric G Reed. Um, and I connect very easily with people that way. One of the things we sometimes need to do is eliminate the barriers. This has been such an amazing conversation, Eric. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I, thank you for having me. It's been a great deal of fun. Thanks for joining us on the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. Be sure to head over to the website at unstoppablecoach.co where you can grab the show notes and check out all the resources and the links to the guest website and social sites. And be sure you join us every weekday when I interview another successful coach and we learn their secrets to building an unstoppable coaching business.